Hello, Woodlane community. This is Pastor Brian, and you are listening to the Woodlane Worship Podcast, episode 068. If you are listening to this, you are an honorary member of our community where we seek to bring the presence of Christ to those around us. On this week's episode, if you had a choice, what would you pick for a superhero power? There's all kinds of options and all kinds of reasons for choosing as we might. What if we had a superpower within us that we hadn't considered? What would you do with it? That's basically what Jesus tells his disciples before he leaves them after Easter. What difference can that make in your life? Consider that idea as we dive into Pentecost Sunday. Check it out. Have you ever had dreams of being a superhero someday? Or at least maybe having superhero powers, even if just for a day? I think I would have to choose for mine super ninja stealth. Because as neat as it would be to have crazy strength, superheroes that are portrayed with big muscles usually are not portrayed with a whole lot above the neck. Unfortunately, I'm not a movie director, so I can't change much of that. But as cool as it would be to have super strength or to be able to leap over tall buildings or do this and a spider web comes out of my arm, cool isn't the reason superheroes are given the powers that they have. I know I'm claiming Hollywood for reality, so bear with me just a little bit. But they have those powers for the sake of helping people, rescuing defeating the bad guys, saving the world. What if I said, if you have Jesus in your life, then you have a superhero-ness in you? Would you call the Joker and say, I got a guy that's nuttier than you? Come pick him up at 5694 Woodlane? Or would you think for just a second, what would that do to a mission that is bigger than myself? Let's pray together. God, you are the one who blesses us with a spirit, not of timidity, but of power and of love and self-control. Allow us to be transformed by that very spirit through your word. Amen. Well, today is the Feast of Pentecost. Uh, As Rachel had pointed out when we were coming out here, um, it's also a bit of an anniversary because 10 years ago was the day I first met a handful of you at least. Many of you guys have come since we have, have come, but 10 years ago on Pentecost is when I preached over at Second Marion to a handful of you who were like, is this the guy we're going to call to do life with for the next at least 10 years? Pentecost may be the sort of official name for the feast, but it's basically the birthday of the church. And while I am all about celebrating birthdays, the idea does have a, a bit of a shortcoming to it. Because we celebrate birthdays for a day, and then for over 300, there's nothing. Unless you're like Rachel's mom, Diane, who celebrates a birthday month, which I am all about. August is is a month of celebration, and June, February, March, April, May, June, July. 31 days of it, she got a good month to celebrate. There's a lot you can do with an extra day. But the same concept applies. You have a month of recognizing a birthday and then 11 months of really nothing. But when we look at the agent behind that birth, the don't pay any attention to the man behind the curtain agent, it becomes not a one and done. Celebrate the birthday of the church and go on living life for the next 360 some odd days. But it becomes day in and day out. 24-7, 365, 
of superhero power. And we see it in the very story we're going to check out today. And we're going to check, can I have a bit of a survey of Scripture? But we're going to start out with a story. And I know it's one you're familiar with. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I'm a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy, and he will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month of her who was said to be barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. And then the angel departed from her. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. Now over the last 10 years, I know some of you have gotten to know me at least a little bit, enough to know that I have been waiting six months for it to be 80 degrees outside. It is June, and you are probably scratching your head saying, why are you going back to the Christmas story in June? It's not even Christmas in July yet. If you're scratching your head wondering that, perfect, because there is a reason for it. Like the idea of bringing up the Christmas story in June, when it's 80 degrees out, one of the things we learn about this Holy Spirit that we don't often go after studying is that the Holy Spirit is one that makes us go, what? Makes us scratch our heads. Makes us maybe even step back from studying the Holy Spirit, from looking at the Holy Spirit as much as we do God the Father or Jesus. Rightly or wrongly. Because looking at the Holy Spirit can be a bit squirrely. It can feel like catching water with your hand. You know there's something there, but you also know just how much it is that you're missing. You can't get it all. So sometimes we end up shying away. Sometimes we end up thinking, I don't understand, so how is this going to be? And it happens in this very story that we are reading, that Mary, who is this faithful follower, as best we know, when she is approached by Gabriel, is left with her head scratching. Why? How? How can this be? And beyond just the physical miracle of virgin conception, Mary is probably scratching her head about the life and death situation that she is being called into. Because even more so back then than even a couple decades ago, to be pregnant when you're not married, Joseph easily could have divorced her. Had every right to in that culture. And to be a divorced woman, especially probably in her teenage years, with a child, she'd be outcast. 
She might as well pack it in. She's done. She didn't need another birthday to celebrate. Why? When, if you look at the idea of a mission that is bigger than you and think at the same time, God, you're crazy, you've got good company. Because Mary probably would have been one of them. And it plays out in this next idea that we see really across a lot of different stories that one of the Holy Spirit's jobs is anointing. It's the main way we see the Holy Spirit work in the Old Testament. And one of the neat things about the Old Testament is that there are so many stories and there are so many people that we can try to relate to and try to see how their story is a part of our story or vice versa, however you want to think of it. And one of them, despite what we may think, one of those guys we can hopefully relate to is Moses, who was probably headliner Christian superheroes of the Old Testament. How do we say I can relate? we can relate to him? Because he is one who went before the leader of Egypt, said, let my people go, split the Red Sea, led over a million people. So where is the part that we can relate to in this? Go before Exodus 3 when Moses got called into all that. He was a shepherd. He was a lowly guy in the fields watching the sheep of his father-in-law Jethro. There's this whole conversation between Moses and God in Exodus 3 where God is calling Moses saying, I've heard my people cry. I'm sending you to go before Pharaoh. And Moses lays out this trial attorney argument. Every reason he can think of, of God, I'm not your man. I, I, I can't speak well. What if people don't believe me? What if the people shun me? All these reasons that Moses gives, but why I should not be the one. And God rebuts every one of them. And eventually in Exodus 4, Moses gets honest. God, can you just send somebody else? Just, I got no more arguments. I got no more logic. Just send somebody else. You ever felt like Moses? Like, you wanted to say, God, just send somebody else. Maybe because you don't feel qualified for whatever it is that you're being called to. Maybe because you just don't want to. I've experienced both of them. I was telling somebody the other day about what life was like pre-seminary for me. As I was starting to get the sense that I was called to more than just volunteer, figure it out as I go ministry. But I hadn't yet registered for seminary. And I thought, and I tried to explore every possible way to get qualified except to go to seminary. Going to seminary was my go to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go moment. I wanted anything but, almost to the point of, God just send somebody else. Now, am I going to claim that having made it through that, that I'm some Christian superhero? Absolutely not. And yes, you're allowed to agree with that. But about 10 years in, God still has me standing. Moses was not a Christian superhero because of things that he did on his own. It was God's Spirit working through him that allowed him to be able to do those things, that gave him the power to have the courage to stand before Pharaoh, who could have, just with a hand signal, probably had his head lopped off, who gave him the power to walk up to the Red Sea with a million people behind him and a whole... I mean, world power army behind them. And it's that Holy Spirit that makes Moses say to these million people, watch this. 
and parts that sea, walks across it, and then uses it to drown the army that's behind them. It was that spirit that gave him the power. It's that spirit that gave everybody that God's spirit has anointed that power. Let's go to a different part of Moses' life, where Moses is leading the Israelites, and he has he's basically the top judge serving to, to mediate all the cases and disputes that happen among the Israelites. And this being a big group of people, measured probably in the millions, he is up from sunrise to sunset, hearing every kind of case. And his father-in-law comes into the room, Jethro, and he says, hey, Moses, you're doing this all wrong. You cannot do this by yourself this way. Here's what you got to do. Pick 70 leaders amongst the Israelites and let them handle some of the some of the less life and death cases so that the really, really difficult or important ones come up to you and you can, solve, you can take care of them. And so Moses chooses his people, and among them are these two guys named Eldad and Medad. Anybody ever heard of them? Okay, other than Jerry, until I had read it, I hadn't thought of them either. Maybe I should save those names for next week and talk about El Dad and Me Dad on Father's Day, but yes, that's a dad joke. <laughs> These are two guys that are probably less Christian superhero than Moses, even in his before Exodus three days. And they are among the 70 people that Moses calls. And after Moses calls them, God takes the spirit that he's given to Moses and distributes it among the 70 leaders. I will come down and talk with you there. I will take some of the spirit that is on you, Moses, and put it on them, the 70 leaders. And they shall bear the burden of the people along with you so that you do not bear it all by yourself. So that you are not answering the she breathed on me cases. Leave that for Eldad. He looked at me funny. Me dad can handle that. My point is, there was so much spirit power that was given to Moses that God didn't anoint and give separate spirit power to each of those 70 leaders. He took what was with Moses and broke it up and gave it to these 70 people. And we know of two of them at least, Eldad and Medad, who with whatever portion they were given were still able to prophesy and do Christian superhero stuff with just even a 70th of what Moses was given. See, this Holy Spirit empowers. We'll jump into the New Testament here. In the last words that Jesus gives to his friends that are still with him after the resurrection, in Acts 1.8, Jesus is saying this to, to the 11 that are left, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In John 14 Jesus is telling those same disciples, you think what I'm doing is great? You're going to do stuff even greater through the power that my Father is going to send to you. Paul brings this idea down to earth a little bit across multiple of his writings when he talks about the spiritual gifts, the Christian superpowers, if you will, in his writings. Superpowers that are given for building up God's church. Now as a side note, building up God's church. Not our church, not Woodlands Church, not Newark's church, not Wayne County's church, God's church. And when that power, when that promise comes to fruition, 
you have this brazen fisherman who probably put his foot more in his mouth than he left it out with the things he said and the way he was impulsive, giving a big tent revival and 3,000 people coming to Christ in one sermon. I'd love to have that kind of superpower. Side by side with my super ninja stealth. You have a life completely transformed in Paul, a man who went from being Christian killer to one of history's greatest missionaries, giving us probably more writing than anybody else in the New Testament. You have people who are living in community and doing it well. Maybe that's the biggest miracle of them all. But the fact is, and if you get nothing out of this other than these couple of words, get this, that promise gives us power. So what was it, again, that God said to Moses, or that God said through Jethro to Moses? Pick 70 leaders among you. We may not have 70 people in this room. Though I may not be Moses, here's my choices. So what superpower are you going to bring to the table? What are you going to look at that makes you think, you know what, we could do something with this. The time is coming for maybe each and every one of us to boldly go where we have never gone before. My friends, the race is on. Thanks again for listening to the Woodland Worship Podcast. I hope we've given you something to make you think. If you'd like some more information about our community, check us out at woodlanechurch.org or visit our Facebook page at Woodlane Newark. If you happen to be in the Finger Lakes area, come check us out live on a Sunday morning at 9.45 a.m. See you next week in the Woodlane Worship Podcast.